From the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. We are back for 2024, the first episode of the year of the Craig Needles Podcast. We are thrilled that you are with us at ClassicRock981.com and LondonNewsToday.ca. I think the topic we discussed most in 2023 was housing because it's, you know, really important. Uh, We're going to start off on the same note here in 2024. And I'm thrilled to have on the podcast uh, Natasha Toomler, who's uh, Indwell's regional manager. I want to talk about Indwell and and, and what's going on with them. You hear about them in the news all the time. I'm glad Natasha's with us. And uh, Dr. Abe Woodshorn is on the program as well. He, of course, is a homelessness researcher and advocate. And I've talked to Abe a whole bunch of times. So uh, thrilled to have both of you on the podcast. Thank you so much for doing this and and glad you could do it. And uh, I I know it's January 4th, I'm going to say it anyway. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Happy New Year to you both. Uh, all right. So let's start with what the Indwell model is all about. And I I noted in my intro there that people would hear Indwell in the news all the time because there's different projects in London and the surrounding area. Oh, Indwell's got this many people moving in here. They've broken ground on this project. So uh, let me ask you, Natasha, just what is, what's Indwell all about? How does it work? So uh, Intel is a Christian charity, and we seek to provide affordable housing communities uh, that offer support for individuals seeking health, wellness, and belonging. Uh, So our our values are really rooted in dignity, love, and hope. Uh, We are located across uh, seven southern Ontario communities, and this year we'll be celebrating uh, 50 years of offering supportive housing uh, our model is really rooted in um, offering on-site support services to help individuals uh, maintain housing stability. Well, uh, maintaining housing stability is obviously a big deal, Abe, and uh, clearly organizations that can do that are, are helping us in, uh, in a time of, uh, of what, quite frankly, is, is a crisis, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, and I think actually it's, uh, I must say, having been in the city for a few years now, <laughs> unfortunately, it's the worst uh, I've ever seen it. Over the past several years, the the rate of uh, street homelessness is the highest. The rate of shelter utilization is the highest. Uh, so we are absolutely in a crisis, and uh, yeah, we need to be looking at the the solutions and and really the long term solutions, right? Not just patching in the the gaps with sort of anything temporary, but looking at what actually gets people housed. Uh, yeah, and what gets people housed is building places for them to live and having, uh, in a lot of cases, supports when they get there. So, Natasha, what kind of supports are there and what kind of infrastructure is in place for people who, who come live at an indwell building? Yeah, so our, our program model vary, uh, varies on a, a spectrum of what we term enhanced support uh, through to a standard level of support. Uh, obviously, the enhanced model uh, has more staff on site. Uh, the intensity of support is, is higher. So that staffing complement uh, includes uh, interdisciplinary professions such as uh, nursing staff, addiction support, housing support, psychosocial roles. Um, we also have offer one hot meal a day at that program, uh, and so would have a food security position. Uh, we have shared positions across uh, a couple of our London programs, which include recreation, uh, knowing that it's the combination of these disciplines that really help individuals and feeling that sense of belonging, as well as uh, achieving that housing stability and addressing any uh, ongoing health or wellness concerns that they, they may be having or, How- that, or that create barriers to them maintaining that housing stability. 
How do you decide who gets to live at an indwell building? Just because clearly uh, there's not enough housing to go around and there's a lot of people who are unhoused or underhoused, whatever you want to use to define uh, situations people might be in. Uh, how do you decide who gets to go move in? Yeah, so initially when we moved into London uh, at our Woodfield Gate location, uh, we were using a method in which people would just log on to our website, fill out an expression of in interest, and then we would work chronologically through that. Uh, as Abe mentioned over the last several years, things are progressively getting worse. Uh, and so to be able to identify who's most in need, uh, the priority populations, those sorts of things, we have uh, actually moved to working more closely with a coordinated access system uh, within the city. We trialed that as we launched into uh, St. Thomas uh, and found much success through that. It's not a perfect system, but it does support a systematic response to uh, ensuring those who are most in need of, of that level of uh, health and housing uh, support needs are are getting those needs met. So from there, uh, the city would refer an individual. We would go through an intake process, and the importance of that is so individuals also get to know who we are as a landlord. That you know we are going to be uh, into uh, interacting with you. We do want to get to know you. We want you to feel uh, like a member of this community. We will offer different programs. How do you see yourself accessing those services? Uh, and then from there, we would go uh, through with offering a, a unit at that time. And I think this is a, a pretty important point here because, and, and it's really where that the charitable not-for-profit not sector kind of kicks in the most important way because, uh, you know, it, we are always talking about supply. We need to have enough housing for everyone. And, and that's important. Private market is very important in that. Uh, but in the private market also, of course, uh, you know, making money is very important. And so folks are, are being choosy about who they're, they're going to take in as tenant as one would. Um, and, but of course, as, as there is less and less supply for greater need, uh, then you get sort of more of this uh, effect of, of people being kind of systematically excluded from any access to, to housing uh, because they're turned down and turned down and turned down. And so by Indwell working with the city to look at their priority list, uh, they are taking folks who who probably would never be accepted in into other places in the private right. market. And, and so that's where you really see that kind of start to outflow people from the experience of homelessness into to housing. And this might be a whole other podcast, but it also allows those who are renting property uh, to let the property fall into worse and worse condition. Because if you are someone who's a renter, uh, well, where are you going to go? Uh, the, so the, the 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 landlord's half of the contract doesn't necessarily get kept kept up. But again, that's another podcast I think for uh, another day here. So. Uh, you, you mentioned where we're trying to, to fill gaps here with the housing crisis. And uh, of course, the private sector is important, but clearly uh, government is important here as well in, in some of these cases. Uh, so, uh, Natasha, I'll ask you, what can various levels of government, because there's three that you deal with, what can they do to help Indwell create more housing? What would you like to see happen? Yeah, I think there's, uh, as you mentioned, there's the, the three levels of government. So everyone plays a role. I think our local municipality is doing a great job in increasing awareness um, on the on the concerns within and how that's impacting the community. And then really leaning into uh, the fact that this is a collaborative effort and it's going to uh, 
require the collaboration across multiple sectors to address. So I think the municipality is doing a great job uh, there. Obviously, the whole community response includes some of uh, the key players that uh, would bridge those sectors or be connected to those different sectors. Uh, at the federal level, uh, there is uh, the national housing strategy, which exists, and that's a really good thing. Uh, and we've had success accessing dollars through some of those initiatives. Um, but I would say one of the gaps is that it, there is um, a stream specific to supportive housing that is maybe not as addressed uh, as intently or or as predominantly as it should be. Uh, we talk about uh, affordable housing. We do need have a need for affordable housing, but when we talk about affordable supported housing as an organization, we're talking about that deep affordability for individuals who um, you know, maybe have income sources similar to ODSP. Uh, so that is one piece uh, that I would say would be advantageous in terms of supporting uh, moving forward. And, uh, I think Abe can probably touch on some of those pieces too, because we're obviously uh, connecting to, to some policy issues. I think provincially as well, uh, you know, developing more housing, especially supportive housing, includes um, both the operating and capital side. And so we we have seen some significant uh, contributions and commitments from the health sector, which are crucial to uh, that interdisciplinary support that we talked about. Uh, but again, on the capital side, uh, with a lack of a housing strategy, again, specific to the support of housing, there's that less of that coordination. And so if there's opportunity to bridge the ministries uh, and the sectors in terms of housing and health, uh, that would be really advantageous. Uh, we do have a number of projects kind of lined up and ready to go, but currently don't have a mechanism in which uh, to be able to move forward uh, with that. So I don't know if you want to touch on yeah. some of the policy pieces yeah. in there. Uh, yeah, that. absolutely. And and so I want to highlight that that gap is actually systemic. And and so, you know, when I look at, at homelessness and I've, I've had the opportunity to look at it kind of globally and see kind of what's happening in different countries, what's working, what's not. We've got folks actually coming from Finland uh, later this month to help us understand why they are doing so well, for example. You can really see, I mean, that the, the policies we create give us the outcomes that we get. And it's a pretty straight line between how we structure the system and what different uh, experiences are in different countries. Uh, and so I would say that we have over time really had this huge gap around this support of housing. And so in our policies on, on housing, a lot of the focus has been on capital dollars. And that's where the national housing strategy uh, really kicked off all of its focus and had really no focus at the outset on permanent supportive housing at all. A little bit of homelessness services through this re pro program called Reaching Home. Uh, and so if you were a, a nonprofit um, or uh, even just a, a regular private sector developer and you wanted to put bricks on the ground, you could get capital funding. And that, that pathway was pretty straightforward. Uh, in previous governments, both the province and the feds were involved in that. Uh, these days, it's, it's more just the feds. Um, but you could build a building. The problem is if you wanted that building to support people who did need a little bit of help or a lot of help, uh, getting the dollars to operate those buildings were not there. And so you can see now the impact of years and years of kind of doing things that way uh, is that we have this group of individuals with the highest support need to end up chronically homeless and have so few uh, pathways out of that, that situation. And so 
it, what Natasha is highlighting isn't just an internal problem. This is a systemic issue, right? Where we've kind of ignored that. How do we actually help people to, to remain housed? How do they, uh, we create not just buildings, but communities where people can belong, where people can thrive. Uh, and uh, and one of the big challenges, and, and I will point some fingers here as an academic, I have that luxury. Um, I like and, pointing fingers. <laughs> good. You should, you should do it. <laughs> That's right. One of the challenges is, and, and you know, Natasha's highlight the provinces, the province has come forward with some healthcare dollars to, to help with the operating. But the problem is that's not systematic, it, right? It's it's mm -hmm. kind of case by case. You're going to the government saying, hey, we've got this great thing we want to do. Please, please, please. And years and years. And, and there's no sort of simple stream to say, here's the, the pot of funding that's to support people in their housing. Here's how you apply for it. And here's how we are going to guarantee that you're going to get it year over year over year. So you can make the commitment to build and, and not have that funding evaporate. So I would really like to see in the same way the feds have come in with, with billions of capital dollars. I'd love to see with the province coming in with, with money to match that in terms of the operating. Uh, I would like to see that too. And I've noted to the folks who work with nonprofits on this, uh, with nonprofits rather on this podcast before that it, it almost turns into a full-time job for somebody at the nonprofit to work through all the government hoops when it comes to acquiring this funding from here and that funding from there. Whereas we made that easier, uh, we could have that person working on, you know, creating housing instead. So it, it's almost expensive just by the nature of the way they've set it up. And that's not efficient. That's not the way that we want these things to be running, I don't think. Yeah, I think you raise a good point there, Craig, and, uh, you know, follow up to what you were sharing, Abe, is that, uh, you know, I talk about projects that Indwell has lined up kind of a across Ontario, uh, and each project we're applying on a per project basis. If there was a way that you could do a portfolio submission in any way, uh, that would, again, save time and uh, be more expedient in getting the housing builds that we need. Yeah, and that's what we want to see is is more housing builds getting completed because we are dramatically short of where we need to be for housing. And I know that we've talked about the the folks with the highest needs here, but there's there's a wide spectrum of people who are currently homeless, who don't have a place to live. Maybe they're crashing with a friend, whatever it happens to be. And there's a wide spectrum of someone who needs a lot of help with mental health, mental help with addictions, things along those lines, and folks who don't need any help at all. All they need is a place to live. So we, we've got to be helping people on, on both sides of that. And it's just, it's, it's a big job, right? Yeah, for sure. And, and I, again, this is where I, I would lean on government. And, and we're seeing a real kind of function of, of the way that the private sector fluctuates with the uh, interest rates going up. We have suddenly seen a slowdown in, in new building coming from the private sector, right? And so while the housing market was hot, a lot of new units coming online. Uh, when the housing market cools, that cools as well. And so the challenge is we still have this high need right now for housing. And, and that's where, again, I push to the government to say, hey, what's the role in terms of the public sector in terms of building? Uh, when we look at places like the Netherlands, like Austria, like Finland that are doing really well in housing, well, most of the rest of the developed world is, is struggling. Uh, and they have the governments that are stepping up to say, hey, look, if we have a steady, consistent build uh, on the, the public housing side, then when the market fluctuates, it doesn't matter. We're still building the supply that we need to, to house everyone. And so, you know, if we just kind of wait and cross our fingers and hope that it's going to come from the private sector, some years will be great and we'll be building a lot of housing. And then some years we won't. And that creates these sort of real bubbles like we saw 
starting really in 2018 in London and, and continuing to now. Natasha, I know I was at the Indwell uh, project that opened uh, sort of in the, the Pond Mills area there. I was at that news conference. That was great. People might be wondering, hey, what other projects are, are on the horizon here for Indwell? What else might be ha- uh, coming next for them? Yeah, I think uh, we're always looking. Obviously, we have our Soho uh, projects uh, underway. Uh, so that's the War Memorial Building uh, and the Health Services Building. Uh, so excited about that. Uh, we also know that there are uh, specific priority populations, as uh, we've talked about, that uh, that enhanced model of support continues. So I think in the short term, uh, looking at opportunity to uh, continue to meet that population need. Um, we have great partnerships within the community uh, with the uh, local uh, builders and, and developers, uh, churches, churches. Uh, all sorts of individuals who, you know, municipalities uh, across various communities who are are wanting to be part of building a solution and uh, assessing what opportunities to capitalize on uh, and our ability to uh, meet in terms of capacity demands as an organization to respond to that are all things that we're uh, collectively uh, reviewing and, and seeking to pursue. Uh, so... Uh, in terms of the government side of things, uh, hoping that you know some good news and good opportunities will be announced uh, in the coming months, so that we might be able to pursue some of these uh, sooner rather than later. I'll tell you about the War Memorial Children's Hospital mm-hmm. too, Craig. If you haven't had a chance to go in there, you should definitely go in. It's open now for they got them mold out, so it's open for for visits. Um, but I was thinking, I you know I've never been a nurse in that building, but I had been in the building in the past, and I was thinking. Boy, that's going to be an uphill battle to turn this uh, this old old hospital into housing. But then you go in and you see it's it's actually almost perfectly sized so that the existing interior walls that were the hospital rooms are are just the right size yep. for uh, for an apartment. And uh, it was really great to walk through that and and you could visualize uh, how that building is going to be become housing for folks. And for the nurses in our community, it's a sort of a nice story, uh, uh, kind of a circle where, you know, many nurses worked in that building and supported people with with really high needs in their their health care. And now it's becoming a place where where people are going to be living. So we did have a, a nice uh, tour just for for some of the retiree nurses to go through there as well and see the old space where they some of them lived, worked, learned uh, to, to see what it's becoming. Yeah. And uh, it's a great story. I love it. It's, it's a, it was a badly underutilized spot in the city for a long time. We're seeing some growth there. That's good. I, I love seeing cranes in the sky. I love seeing construction happen there because uh, we do uh, badly need the housing. So it, how, how badly do we need the housing? You say it's the worst you've seen in London. I would agree with that just uh, anecdotally from, you know, walking around in the downtown core, which I do every day. Uh, so how, like, I'm not saying that these all have to be indwell buildings, but how many buildings do we have to build in order to, to make this happen? We have what, 2000 people who are, who are living without a place to live, uh, in London right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. And yeah, I mean, I think you are sort of hitting the sense of the scale. Now to me, the really depressing part is that, as I said, I've been around for years now is in, in 2016, I was the chair of the London homeless coalition. And I declared that we were ending homelessness in London and we truly were in, in, from sort of 2012 to 2017, we saw the most progress we've ever seen. Uh, we had adopted Housing First as a model. We were rapidly getting people mm-hmm. rehoused across the whole system. 
and we had capacity, right? So this was a time when rental vacancies were like four or 5% in this city. And so landlords were willing to work with uh, nonprofits, with the city, uh, to take folks who needed a little, a little bit more on a sort of a promise that they were going to get their rent. Um, now, in, unfortunately, we ran into a total wall in 2018 as we ran out of capacity in these programs. We ran out of capacity. We saw rental vacancies drop below 2%. Uh, and uh, and we just ran out of places and, and supports for folks. And and at the same time, the housing market went bonkers and, and the cost of housing blew up. Rental rates have skyrocketed since 2018 nonstop and went even faster during the pandemic. And so it's, it was really uh, dismaying for me to see things kind of bad in 2010, improving, 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 and then getting suddenly worse. And, and you're right, uh, it is around 2,000 people estimated uh, without a place to be. Uh, somewhere in the tune of, of six to 700 are, uh, are sort of those with higher support needs on the by name list, maybe chronically homeless or in encampments. Uh, and so we are talking about, uh, and, and this is a point I think Natasha would echo from Indwell, is it, it's not one organization that's going to solve this thing. And, and I think Indwell would say that actually they don't want to be the, the only organization uh, and they want to help others to, to replicate what they're doing. Um, but yeah, we are looking at, uh, at a scale of, of many buildings and, and even the whole Soho project generating 600 units. Of, of mixed uh, market rent and affordable isn't going to kind of solve everything. And so uh, we've got a long way to go here. And, uh, and you know, the, I, I really like what the city did. They put out to the federal government, Peter Fagiscatos wasn't so happy to hear the number, but they said, look, it's going to cost us over $200 million to meet this need. They actually yep. put the real number on it, which I think is a bold move because, you know, sometimes when you go to other orders of government, you want to be polite and ask, you know, what you think you can actually get. But they just said, look, it's going to cost us over $200 million to fix this. We need your help. I'm uh, I'm anti-polite when dealing with government. I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I think it's bad and it, it, it uh, gums up the works. Yeah, no, it was, and it, it, it just puts it out there to say, look, we're doing a lot. We've got the, the whole community response. We've got this private donor who's coming through. You know, at the municipal level, we don't have the big pot of money. The province has a bigger pot and the feds have an even bigger pot. And so... If we can do everything we can do at the city, what are the province and what are the feds going to do to to meet that? And, and so we saw one of those early commitments from uh, from Sean Fraser on the the new housing program, yep. London being the first announced. But uh, again, that's that's only going to get us part of the way because that doesn't uh, include all the supports uh, for folks who are going to need it. Yeah, certainly that. And uh, the city's also growing, so there's the where we're growing as far as the number of people who live here and the number of people who live here and don't have a place to sleep at night is also growing. So it, it's just. Uh, uh, we, we've got to really catch up. We're way behind in the race. Uh, Natasha, what are, what does the future look like for Indwell in your estimation? What do you want to see happen five, 10 years down the road for the organization? Well, I think, uh, you know, leaning into why we exist is hope and home for all and to see people uh, housed uh, and appropriately housed uh, is one of the things that uh, Indwell is striving to achieve. Uh, as it mentioned, alongside community partners, we can't be alone in it. Uh, and people have different needs and, and having partners who can help uh, support that is great. Um, I think in terms of, you know, what is our role in assisting ending homelessness? I think practically uh, we do have a development team that we work with. So it is creating homes uh, and working towards that. Uh, and then on the the flip side of that is obviously that on-site interdisciplinary complement to help individuals stay housed. 
And then through that, I think the other piece is uh, Indwell plays a unique role in being both the landlord or property manager and um, the support provider. And I think that plays a unique role. And, and we have a lot of experience that we'd be willing to share with anyone who's you know wanting to venture into this. But uh, we talked and lightly touched on you know some fractured systems that led to this. Um, and, you know, the LTB system might be one of those as well. Uh, integrating the property management and support services is so crucial to housing stability. Uh, and so I would, I would see Indwell's role, uh, supporting creating awareness on those things, offering and leveraging our experience, uh, so that we can continue to achieve that, that housing stability for everybody. Yeah, that's uh, that's what we want. Uh, Abe, what do you uh, want to add to that as far as not necessarily here's what your goal should be, but what, what goals yeah. do you think that government should be working to achieve too? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I would say I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, I think, like I said, in London, we're kind of, uh, we're all pulling in the same direction. We've seen some early wins. Uh, even like uh, speaking to Indwell, you know, they were one building. Uh, in, in 2018, they've now got five across London and St. Thomas. Um, we've got the whole community response. We got people pulling in the direction. We got the mayor being bold in, in how he's uh, working with other orders of government. Uh, on the other hand, and <laughs> speaking of uh, politics, uh, I am a little worried uh, so far to date. Um, Pierre Polievre's comments about his solutions for homelessness have been uh, exceptionally disappointing. <laughs> Um, so hopefully as they build a platform, um, they'll, they'll figure that one out. So I'm a little worried uh, about the potential loss of the national housing strategy and the billions of dollars that, that come with that. Um, so I, I would say I'm cautiously optimistic. I do think that, um, that in some, some way or another, we need to find a way to get the operating do dollars in place and it can't be building by building project by project. And so, uh, really, what I, I think would be the most sort of transformational piece of, is if the province would create uh, healthcare funding that lives outside of the hospitals uh, to keep people healthy in their homes. I think to that point, uh, Abe, as well as the sustainability of those operating, we like to uh, lean into pilot projects or short term <laughs> investment. Yes. Uh, but we know that health and housing needs long term uh, investment. And so the sustainability of that funding becomes a crucial piece as well. Yeah, it, it's not something where you can wonder, hey, are we going to have enough money to operate this building next year? Like, how's that productive? How's, how's that going to be a stable housing situation? How is that productive for Indwell or whichever organization it is that we're talking about here? If there's going to be big question marks hanging over, hey, what are we going to be able to accomplish here? That's not that's not going to solve any of these problems. So there has to be some commitment, not just to, hey, here's some money right now, but here's some money in five years, here's some money in 10 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you're if you're committing to support those with the highest needs and you're providing something like meal programming or medication management support, you can't, you can't pull that away, right? You can't be like, oh, three years down the line, our provincial funding's expired. Um, 
sorry you're hope out. everybody's better <laughs> yeah 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 and especially when you're you're taking people who you know won't get accepted anywhere else right and and so those have to be really permanent commitments to make the to make the model work yeah and, and as you said uh Abe this the, the private sector is is part of this as well from a building perspective and uh we're not saying that well you know organizations like Indwell have to the build a place where every single person lives that's not that's not what anyone's saying we're, what we're saying is that it takes a whole bunch of different types of housing and this is one of the types right that's right. And I think, too, um, it's these upstream investments. So when we talk about uh, food security, the housing, the health services, uh, the impacts of that upstream investment aren't seen for a few years. And so, uh, you know, excited about some of the work that we've been doing with AIDS specifically around measuring that, because I think that's where we can start uh, creating more widespread education on uh, the value of that sort of upstream investment. Well, there's there's a lot of investments that I think have a lot of value that aren't being made. I, I, I talk all the time about how investments in Ontario Works and ODSP and housing would save us a whole lot of money in criminal justice and in health care. And uh, uh, politicians say they agree with me on that. And yet uh, we've had a few different uh, governments in Ontario not actually, you know, act that way. But that's that's just oh, the, yeah, way, that's sure. the, the situation yeah. we're in, isn't it? Absolutely. And and again, like, like I said, you're, the policies you make, create the outcomes that you get and and social assistance ODSB OW that whole system uh is is an absolute disaster of of simply not keeping uh pace with the cost of living and and so absolutely I mean a lot of what we're creating downstream now is backfilling in the fact that we just haven't given people enough that they can live on uh, and if they could then get into the private market you know we wouldn't be in a lot of the, the case looking for that affordability so yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's 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 sort of multiple government policies that have gotten where where we're at. Lovely. Uh, is there anything else that either of you uh, want to add or, or chat about? Abe, I know that you uh, mentioned to me that uh, uh, you wanted to talk about sort of policy history Canada-wide. Did we get to that with the Ontario stuff? Or is there anything else sort of uh, nationally that you wanted to mention? Uh, uh, I've talked before in this podcast about how John Chrétien and, and, and Paul Martin kind of putting the screws to uh, public mm-hmm. housing builds uh, has, has led us to a, a bad spot and no one's kind of picked up the mantle here since. Uh, I don't know if that's what you're referencing or or what what else did you want to, uh, get, to get off on uh, get off your chest? there. Yeah, I, I think I picked up on that pretty well. I, I would just like to say I'd like to invite uh, Londoners to, you know, try to to also hold some hope for the future in this. Um, you know, often we just see one piece at a time, right? And so we see, you know, the one building not working out uh, for for my sister's place up in the North End for the hubs, yeah. or we see um, you know, the encampment strategy is in place, but we still see lots of encampments, right? And so I think when we we sort of see a piece at a time, it's very easy to uh, just say, well, nothing's working, like toss the whole thing. But um, we've got a ways to go. And there's a lot of pieces to a whole strategy to end homelessness. And so I think as long as we we can be a little bit patient on on those outcomes, it takes a long time to build housing, for example, um, and and don't sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't don't give up on the things we have that are working just because they haven't completely solved them. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I was uh, as frustrated as I'm sure you were by what happened with uh, the the My Sister's Place uh, deal in in North London. I'm hoping they can find something to replace it sooner rather than later. Uh, Natasha, anything else that you wanted to add before we uh, wrap up our conversation here? 
No, I think this was uh, a great opportunity to, to connect and chat with you both. Uh, it is exciting. I know I've mentioned it already, but uh, the whole of community response, the level of collaboration, um, and, uh, you know, Abe alluded to, like, the bold asks that are coming from there, uh, because we know that that's uh, what will help solve uh, and bring more solutions to the community. Uh, it's It's been great to be a part of um, and really lean into that effort. So. Yeah, appreciate your coverage of, of those initiatives as well. No, I'm I, I'm glad to do it. It's 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 the most important story we have going right now. Uh, like we don't have enough places for people to live is the most important story we have going in this country right now. And I uh, I hope that we get that across here on this podcast. So uh, Natasha and, and and Abe, thank you both so much for uh, for doing this and, and having conversations with us today. Uh, like I said, it's important. I'm glad you could uh, both weigh in. Okay, thank Thanks you. for having us. That is uh, Natasha Tumler, who is with Indwell. She's regional manager there. And uh, Dr. A. Butchorn, who, of course, is a homelessness researcher and advocate joining us here on the Craig Needles podcast, which you can hear every week at classicrock981.com and londonnewstoday.ca. Back with Roundtable next week and back with a couple, uh, at least one interview podcast next week as well. Just getting back in the swing of things here in the new year. Thank you for listening to this episode, and we will talk to you next week. The Craig Needles Podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network.